Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your hey, Andrew. Hello there, Edwin. I want to keep talking about Psalm 20. I want to talk about the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob. The God of Jacob, yeah. Not a very common phrase, but it's what's used here in Psalm 20. I want to talk about that today. You cool with that? Yeah, that's interesting. So let's read Psalm 20. Today I'm reading from the New King James Version, Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord! May the king answer us when we call. So there is this unique expression in the psalm. And as we were talking about yesterday, that this psalm is very much a prayer. That we can picture it being a prayer, a uh, um, an intercession. The people on behalf of their king, uh, the king for the people, in preparation for a great battle. They are confessing there their trust in God and ultimately his deliverance. But when we think about addressing this prayer, I guess a name of God, what is interesting is it's the God of Jacob, the God of Jacob. And that stands out because of how rarely it's used in Scripture. The expression God of Jacob. God of Jacob. So there are a couple times, a handful of times, where we have the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I've heard that And we one. find that in the Old and the New mm-hmm. Testament. But the just God of Jacob is used about 16 times in the whole Bible. 12 of which are here in the Psalms. And 12 so in the Psalms. So it's not uncommon in the Psalms. It's, it's not like this is the only Psalm that uses it. But even, sure. even there, when you realize you've got 150 Psalms and you only find it 12 times, it's it's still not even very common. The, the, the much more common appellation would be God of Israel. Okay. Which reminds us, kind of, a, it, it, that Jacob's, does double duty. Jacob's name was changed to Israel right. by God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and so God person. of Israel would be the same person, but it does double duty because the nation, of course, is named after this changed name, Israel. Yeah. So the double duty, not only is it the God of the individual, but it's the God of the entire nation, which still leaves us with why, why, as they're about to go out to battle, is it the God of Jacob? Well, and I will just tell you that when I hear the expression God of Israel, my mind typically goes to the nation, to the people. Sure. I sure. mean, it's it's easy for me to forget sometimes that Israel was a personal name right. as well. But but when you have God of Jacob, it, you you never jump to that nation. Never do. You? do. Always think about Jacob, this this uh, brother of Esau, <laughs> this Psalm, son I, of Isaac. So I want to say, anytime we see the phrase God of Jacob, we probably want to stop and say, okay, why have they chosen this one? That that's not the norm. Mm-hmm. Why why are they choosing this here? I don't know that it's as easy to answer in all the other Psalms, but in this one, I think I know why it's used here. And it comes from the very first statement in the Psalm itself. Uh, There it says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. In the day of trouble. Or some translations will say in the day of 
distress. Okay. So now when we're talking about the God of Jacob and the day of distress or the day of trouble, that actually brings up a specific event in Jacob's life. We find this same language. Yes. Okay. And we go back to Genesis 34 and 35. In Genesis chapter 34, Jacob has already come back into the promised land. He's got his 12 sons with him and his daughter Dinah. And Dinah is defiled by Shechem of the city of Hamor. And Levi and Simeon come up with this plan because they are just absolutely horrified, as well they should be, that this young man has treated their sister like a prostitute. But he does want to marry her, so they say to him, yeah, you know what, we'll let that happen, but you and all the men of your city need to get circumcised. Mm -hmm. And so the men say, well, that's a small price to pay. And the entire city, all Mm -hmm. the men in the city get circumcised so their king's son can have the woman he wants as his wife. wife. While they are in their pain, Mm -hmm. recovering from this surgical procedure, Simeon and Levi, and the way the text tells it, it almost seems like it's Simeon and Levi by themselves. Right. No no army. They go into the town and they kill all the men while they are vulnerable and defenseless. Mm -hmm. And Jacob says, this is in verse um, 30 of Genesis 34, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? So Jacob is now worried Mm -hmm. that these city states around them are going to think that these men are violent Mm -hmm. and they're dangerous. And these city states are going to rise up and say, we got to squash this family before it becomes a threat to us. Well, then we move into chapter 35, where God calls to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. There's our phrase, day of distress. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob, as he's Mm -hmm. calling his family to be committed to the God that that he had cried out to as he was fleeing Esau, he had seen the vision of the ladder that went up to the heavens and the angels going back and forth. Genesis 28 is where you find that. And he he said there, Lord, if you take me out and you bring me back, I'm going to build a house for you. And so he called it Bethel, house Mm -hmm. of God. Mm -hmm. And now God is saying, hey, it's time. It's time. You, you said you were going to do this. You, you've kind of been dawdling. It's time. So Jacob says to his family, let's get rid of the gods. Not only that, not only get rid of these idols, but let's get rid of even the things that we might use later to make new idols. We're going to get rid of it. Yeah. We're going to go to this place where I met God, and that's where we're going to devote ourselves. But, but looming over the whole process is this fear, this terror that my boys have made me odious in the sight of all these city-states, and they're going to decide we're dangerous. And so now Jacob has this fear. But- well, and the wonderful thing about that is in, in uh, chapter 35, as you read in verse 3, he calls back to this place of Bethel where the Lord has 
delivered him in the time of distress, that when the Lord appeared to him the first time, as you mentioned back in Genesis 28, and he made himself known. I mean, what, what does it mean to be the God of Jacob? When the Lord stood, I'm reading now from Genesis 28 and verse 13, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and to the south. And in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Mm. The God of Jacob is this God of promise. He is saying, Jacob, you were chosen just like I chose your father Isaac, your father Abraham. I've got a plan for your descendants to multiply them into a great nation like the dust of the earth. We're going to give this land to you that you're standing upon. And one of your descendants, your seed, will bless all nations, which, of course, is a prophecy of Jesus Christ, the Savior. Praise God. And he has delivered him from his distress. At that time, he's fleeing the the wrath of Esau. And God says, I've I've got a great plan for you and what's going to happen with you. And so now, Simeon and Levi do this thing, but Jacob remembers my God is the one who answers in the day of my in the day of my distress. Time to go back to that place where I met him, where he made himself known to me and his promises to me, and he's gonna bring them to pass. So you've brought up the earlier distress with Esau. Jacob had lied and had cheated Esau out of blessing and birthright, and now he's fleeing for his life. And God answered in his distress, took him out to Laban, turned him from one person into a a clan of people who have come back. By the time we get to Genesis 35, we've already met Esau again, and we've we've gotten through that one. Yeah. And we see that, hmm, interestingly, God delivered his anointed. Yes, he did. And so now we're at this point where Jacob is having an even greater fear. It's not just Esau, it's these city-states, but God calls him, hey, it's time to go back and keep your word about Bethel. Right. As they are traveling, the God of Jacob, what does he do with all those other Mm city-states? He fills them with terror Mm -hmm. so that they don't even chase Jacob. Yeah. He had nothing to fear. What Simeon and Levi did wrong or right, good or bad, was not going to impact whether God was going to deliver his anointed. Mm-hmm. And so... And all of these themes are wrapped up in this Psalm 20. And we get to Psalm 20, David or any of his descendants who are being faithful to the Lord, sure, who are behaving as the anointed, who are praying, who are offering the sacrifices as they're supposed to, who are putting their trust in the Lord instead of in chariots and horses and, spoiler... Solomon is the first one who starts building up horses and chariots, and we start having problems after that. Yeah. But David, he did not. He put his trust in the Lord, and he has victory after victory after victory. And so what do we have in Psalm 20? We've got this faith, and we know the stories. We know what happened with Jacob. We know that God delivered his anointed, and that's what he's going to do here. The God of David is the God of Jacob. The God of our king is the God of Jacob. He's the God that listens when we are in distress. He is the God that delivers. He is the God who all the way along has kept his 
promises. I really loved you bringing up this this business about God's promise to Jacob about, I'm going to take you out and I'm going to bring you back. Yeah. Because with David, we very specifically have the promises God has given him, even in the Psalms. Psalm 2 was a promise to the king, to David, I'm going to take out your enemies. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to stand and they're going to fall. And, and Psalm 20 is calling to mind, this is the God we serve. We know he's going to respond to this prayer, so we're praying it. Well, and there's nothing that I want to hear more on the eve of battle than God is going to take me out and God is going to bring me back. <laughs> Good point. Good point. God's going to take me out and God's That's... going to bring me back. Something just uh, came together in my mind just a minute ago that I'd mm-hmm. like to go ahead and share before we wrap up today, and that's one of the principles of prayer. We often spend our time praying for things that we have no idea how God will answer. Sure. What I find fascinating about this psalm is this is an example of a prayer that they know how he's going to answer it, and because they know what his answer to this prayer would be, they pray it. Oh, okay. And and that's one of the you things that... talk about knowing God's will and praying for God's will to come, to come to pass? Praying for God's will. They know what God's promise is to David. They know okay. what God's promise is for their people. They know what God's promise is for when people are trusting in him and for the faith that they have in him. And they know how God will respond to that. And what they are really doing with this is submitting to his will. Mm-hmm. They are submitting to his will. And even un- underlying this prayer to the king or for the king that may your heart's desire be granted is the knowledge and understanding that what the king's heart's desire is, is God's heart's desire. That the king and their God are in line, the people and their God are in line, and so because of that, we can pray, and we can pray with confidence. And so one of the things I want to encourage myself, you, anyone who's listening in on our conversation here, is that we've we've got a lot of statements in Scripture that, that seem to make prayer this blank check. Whatever you pray for, you know, just, just it'll be granted. Except for it always is coupled with whatever you pray in the name of Jesus, whatever right. you pray according to His will. will. Some of this is really saying when your heart's desire aligns with the heart's desire of God, you can pray that and it will happen. I think that's a great point. I think you're right about that. What are you learning from Psalm 20? We'd love to know. Send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Edwin, why don't you lead us in a word of prayer? Holy God and Father in heaven, we know that you save your anointed. We know that you deliver. We know that you want salvation for all men, all women. We know, Father, that you sent your Son to die for us. We know that these are all the things that, that you desire, and so we want to come alongside and have your desire as well. We want your kingdom to fill this earth as it is in heaven. We want your will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We want your name to be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. We want you to arise and awake and bring victory for your kingdom, for to, to conquer the cosmic powers of darkness in the heavenly places, to to go against our enemy that would tempt us and cause us to fall. We know, Lord, that you are going to win that battle. We ask you to win it today. And Lord, we know, we know that you give victory, and we are so thankful that we get to be a part of that victory. We love you, Lord God. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. 
You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Dude, I just love these new microphones so much. I could just keep talking and talking and talking. (laughs) Yeah, I tell you, the problem with these new microphones is if you already like the sound of your own voice, (laughs) this is like, (laughs) This is like steroids for that. (laughs) This is like honey butter. (laughs) This is just great.